Sentire Media. Let's get this party started. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to our podcast. My name is Jason. I'm joined by my wife, Ashley, and together we run, own, and operate No Half Measures Films, uh, and we live in Piobico, Italy. For now, we do. For now, we do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Today is the 28th of February. I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Ashley. Good morning, Ashley. Ciao tutti. It is a drizzly... Seattle day. Yeah, it's a drizzly uh, Sunday morning. It's warm out. Spring is on its way. The cherry blossoms and the fruit trees are already throwing out their flowers, which is good and horrible at the same time. I know. I'm nervous. Every year we've had a freezing March, so it's kind of like, oh, no. Yeah, This is like two and a half weeks early for things happening like this. It's been very, very warm and mild this winter. We have not gotten the... uh, the cold snap in the in the later part of February, early. I don't think it's coming that I thought was. Uh, no, I mean the daffodils, even in our own yard, all of the little irises and um, violas are popping up in the grass. But our daffodils, like, ugh, it's. I'm just surprised. It's way too early for that. It might be. They might be popping up, but we're not talking full on bloomed. It's it's early. Um, we do a little inconsistent podcast here every once in a while when we feel the need to uh, turn on the microphones and just kind of bleh into them for an hour or so. Uh, it's really about our lives, what's going on. Our uh, travels. Our travels, our agriturismo, which is a farm in – well, was a farm in and cooking school and just general – stuff going on in our lives here in Italy. Not too formatted, not too strict, not too uh, set in our ways, and not too accurate uh, (laughs) either. (laughs) No, if you're looking for a podcast that people do research and uh, are trying to be accurate in the information that they provide, stop this podcast immediately and go find one that do. But you will will be entertained. You'll be entertained. Uh, You might not be educated, (laughs) but you will be entertained. I'll I'll spout my mouth off about things I don't know anything about, and Jason will silently back away as I go deeper down the hole into putting my foot in my mouth. You know, we should put together a little (laughs) podcast of all the crap I've had to cut because it was just so incorrect (laughs) that I couldn't I couldn't let it go onto the internet and have that be an example of our work. Representation? Yes. Yes, I agree. All right, so enough. Let's start it off. What's the first item of business this beautiful Sunday, the 28th of February? Ooh, this is a leap year. Yeah, we were talking about it last night. Okay, really funny. Are you going to make fun of me? Oh, big time. Big time. So Ashley didn't understand yesterday, with the, which was a, what's a leap month or a leap year, which is okay. I can understand that. I said why? Why? That I totally get, right? There's 365.25 days in a year, and every four years we have to add an extra one. The next one was a little scary. Why are there 365 days in a year? I don't think I said that. I, I that's Ashley. I put my hands to my mouth. Because, I know, and I think I was about to say that, and I stopped myself. And you, you, you took it as full stupidity. <laughs> that's how long it takes for the sun to go around the Earth. Let's move on. <laughs> Again, we're not talking about facts here. <laughs> I don't know. All of this is hearsay. The sun doesn't go around the Earth. It's hearsay. Flat the the Earth's flat. <laughs> All right, start us off. Here we go. So let's talk about our latest travels. This winter we have. Oh, my God. We closed our doors in November uh, for the cooking school and farm, and the guests left that day. And 
from November 1st on, we have been traveling nonstop. I know we talked a bit about going to Palermo and Sicily, and we talked about Barcelona. Um, did we? Let's talk a bit about our latest travels. We just got back from visiting friends in Bordeaux and then going to Mallorca. So why are we doing so much travels? Is well, it we're because doing... we're super rich and just have nothing better to do with our time? Not at all. <laughs> um, I love traveling, first of all. I lo- first of all, it's great and easy because here we in Europe, uh, you can find the low... Like we talked, talked about, about that last No, I know. I was going to say we talked about that last time, but you can find the low-cost uh, inter-European flights for under 20 30 bucks each way, sometimes even five. So sometimes it seems ridiculous because you're like, how could I not go? But um, we've been traveling a lot more because of our business know-half measures, which we've been doing a lot more in the consulting realm of social media and marketing, as well as operations side of things. So we've been really lucky and uh, have early on in this business been invited to a few spectacular hotels to... Uh, not so much review, but like I said, to take photos, make some short videos, and then give them some feedback on the operations, customer service side of things, and the dining side. So it's been a great way to travel. This last place we stayed, we got hooked up. And when you know when you get there and they're like, Mr. and Mrs. Bartner, I'm very sorry, your room isn't ready yet. But it is very nice. <laughs> and I just thought they were just being like, they said that to everyone. And then when we get up to the room, as they're unlocking the door, they say, welcome to the presidential suite. And Jason busts out laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. He was like, I'm so in- not embarrassed, but uh, it's just not us. It, no, we are uh, holy jeans, country kids now. Um, I mean, half the time we can't we have to have a separate wardrobe when we leave our house because we get so dusty and dirty here all the time. And so to be able to have the luxury of staying at a beautiful five-star hotel. I had to wear my church clothes the whole weekend. I know. I told our neighbors I had to put on clean undies. <laughs> but it was so wonderful. And the view was spectacular. We were up in the um, Tramuntana uh, mountains of Mallorca um, or Mallorca. How do you pronounce Mallorca, it? Mallorca. Off the coast of Spain. And Oh, I'm sorry. We got to push pause real quick. We've got a quick. Skype call coming in. We'll come right back to you. We're back, but you didn't even know we left for a moment. <laughs> so, as I was saying, up high above, perched above the hills of um, in the mountains of Mallorca, right outside Palma, right outside Palma. I can't even try to pronounce the name of this town. It was like Pujipunyet or something. <laughs> it's like P U I G Y N E N T. It's something totally crazy. But um, really, this was a beautiful old very much in the style of an Italian farmhouse originally. And um, it was a gift to a cavalieri, a a horse, a a knight in 1692. And it is just so interesting because um, Mallorca was run by, I think they said like at that time, three or four families. And one of the main families of the island gifted this uh, valiant hero, a, this beautiful farmhouse uh, up on the hills, and slowly over time, then finally um, it became an inn. And but it's very neat because coming from here, there were so many of these Italian touches in this old farmhouse, and um, they had the garden, they had the uh, animals. Not that they are eating them, more for show and for enjoyment for the guests. You never n- mentioned the name of this place. Great, thank you. <laughs> 
Grand Hotel Sonnet. And you'll notice as soon as you are, are uh, researching the area or as soon as you get off the airplane, you'll see son, 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 everywhere. So, S-O-N. S-O-N. We're like, what the hell is son? Casa. It's like casa. Uh, Dialect, mm-hmm. I guess, for a house. Yes. So it, it made a lot more sense. <laughs> but um, they had the miniature ponies and uh, sheep and a few goats. And the property also produces both olive oil. And that's been their um, kind of ancient uh, crop for years. Um, they still have some of the olive trees on the property, but their main production is on a, a different piece of land on the island. And same with the wine. And um, it was really neat because in the dining room is the old press. And so the old stone press that you would have like the goats or the horses or the steer go around in a circle to grind the um, olives is right there in the middle of the dining room. And it just was a neat old kind of throwback and touch to this kind of country living and yet in a location that is spectacular. I mean, Jason did not want to leave the room. There was no reason to leave the room. No, we had a great <laughs> porch and balcony. I'll have to post some, not only photos I've posted, but uh, we tried to get some video of sunrise and sunset because it was just so peaceful to be out. And I think because we are kind of that country people, we like being up in the hills. We liked being up in the mountains. Yes? Yes. And where is Mallorca? Mallorca is an island off the coast of Spain, about 300 kilometers off the coast of Spain. You can get flights from all over Spain uh, several times a day. We took one from uh, Barcelona, and it was about 45-minute flight. Mm-hmm. You can also take a um, boat, a ferry, but it's really not worth it because the ferry takes several hours. And I think our plane tickets were like 40 euro round trip from Barcelona. To, they were. They were super cheap. Welling, um, who we love, they do like every hour on the hour kind of flights throughout the day. And also Ryanair uh, heavily. And I'm sure there's other spots in Europe um, that you can get a f- direct flight to Mallorca. I know Germany. Uh, there was a lot of Germans there. Mm-hmm. So just check it out. Mallorca, a place that you've maybe never heard of. Um, you probably what heard were of we the, told? Huh? What were we, tell them what we were well, told. Well, we were told that <laughs> if you're young and want to party and go to the clubs, you go to Ibiza, which is right next to the island next door. If you're a little bit older and you want to kind of enjoy yourself and relax and 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 uh, not have the club scene so much <laughs> then you go to Mallorca. Yeah, it's uh it's the island without the DJs. <laughs> if you will. And it was really great because we were also invited to go have dinner um, in downtown Palma, which was a nice switch up from being up in the countryside and the hills for a few days and to go down to the city and get a little bit of that uh, breath of the city life at near uh, right on the coast. And we went to a beautiful hotel restaurant there. Um, the hotel is Hotel Saint Francesque. And it is spectacular. I think it was just on Travel and Leisure's um, top 2016 new hotels on the planet and that it is gorgeous we were so smart and got there in time for sunset on the rooftop terrace and that was stunning especially because we had never been to the downtown area we show up at this hotel and we go straight up to the rooftop and we could see the church tops and the bells were ringing and the birds were flying and chirping and it kind of it felt magical and very romantic and uh we did a Periscope video. I know it won't be up anymore, but keep watching for us on Periscope at Ashley Bartner because uh, we've been enjoying sharing those travels with you guys there as well. And then we were treated to a 
spectacular, very memorable dinner at Quadrat, which is their restaurant. And um, Chef Simon did a beautiful job of a very well thought out cohesive menu that was creative and inspired and it was just a good if you're, if you're in Mallorca and you want to have a great dinner we had the tasting menu I think it was 60 euros exactly it, it was incredibly um it was a great value I mean for 60 euros for the dinner that we had was in- incredible uh, it was just a really you know a really memorable night yeah and like Jason is saying you know, we were treated to this dinner and you were thinking, okay, how much would this cost and how much would we pay for this dinner? And when we go outside and we're looking at the menu and see, Jason was like, holy shit, I can't believe for the, I I think five courses or so. Seven. But just the thought that went into it. uh, Very good value. Very excellent value. And probably one of the most memorable sommeliers I've ever encountered. He was (laughs) so into it. He closed his eyes and lots of hand movement, and he would like search for his words. Search for his words, and it was like he was tasting the wine all over again in his mind. It was really cool. It, it wasn't douchey no. or over the top or or like pretentious at no, all. You no. could tell this guy just freaking loved wine. Think of John Malkovich as your sommelier. Yeah, yes, and kind of a weird character at first, and you're thinking, huh. And then by the end, I said, I want to eat every meal with you coming along and pairing my wines. He did such a great job. But it was, like Jason said, not pretentious, just all passion and uh, very proud of the wines of his island as well. So I would highly recommend a dinner at Quadrat if you are in Palma de Mallorca. And hats off to Chef Simon. Uh, Like Jason said, just very memorable. What was the name of that? hotel in the city again hotel saint francesc and it was in the piazza it was right next to the the church of san francesco mm-hmm. and if you look that's a huge church on every map so it's right in that they don't call it a piazza what do you call it in playa Pla- playa Pla- or is that Plas- beach no the beach is the playa what is what do you call a, a piazza in spain totally forgot again again we don't if have you're looking information. for information <laughs> you're not gonna get it <laughs> definitely not a piazza but <laughs> no anyway moving on um and after our so as we said we, we have a beautiful stay in mallorca came back and had a long layover by choice by choice uh, yes why did we have a long layover in barcelona at my favorite airport no but why did we have six hours to spend there Oh, because we wanted to stay for breakfast <laughs> at the hotel so when we were booking our tickets there was an early there was an early flight to make the flight to catch the uh, joining flight back to Bologna so we could get home on this basically before lunch. Yes, exactly. And we were looking at it and being like, hmm, do we really want to wake up and bust out of there? Or do we want to enjoy ourselves, have some breakfast, maybe sleep, you know, sleep till eight, have some breakfast and come to the airport leisurely, which was our choice. But you pay for it with a six hour, um, a six hour uh, layover in Barcelona. True. Breakfast might not have been worth it, but at least El Prat was is a oh, airport where you can spend time. It's a like a shopping mall inside of an airport, and not that it's so great because of the shopping. What makes this airport so wonderful and stand out is they have not one, not two, numerous outdoor areas once you've passed through security courtyards courtyards they're huge though like oh, in ma- immense courtyards so if you wanted to smoke a cigarette if you wanted to get some fresh air if you have kids and you just want to let them run around if it's a gorgeous day and you have a long layover like we did 
oh, you could take a nap outside. We just hung out outside. Oh, my God. And I just kept thinking, saying it was a gorgeous day. I kept saying it doesn't feel like we've been here for six hours because it felt like we spent the day outside. And there's cafes outside. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. It it's is a very such a smart... well, well thought out, well designed airport. Mm-hmm. And the Spaniards are really good at getting you through security. They do. We we went through on this trip security in Italy, oh my God. France, and Spain. Oh, and the UK. And the UK. The UK was by far the worst. It's a cluster <laughs> F, just <laughs> like sounds, in America. It was so much like America. The Italians, you know, it's, it's Italy. What do you expect? Um, the French really can't get their act together getting people through security quickly either. But let me tell you, the Spaniards. Security is a breeze. I don't know what it is. We were trying to pinpoint why it was so much better. And it was not quiet. It was busy. It it was because they had the, oh my God, we screwed up. Oh my God. We didn't realize it was like the cellular telecommunications world conference and all these people in Barcelona Barcelona that week. So it was like Motorola and Samsung. And when you fly in, it was, it looked like a parking lot for private jets because there was just hundreds of people, you know, CEOs and what's Zuckerberg Zuckerberg and all these people were there. It was a huge, huge conference. The whole city was sold out for hotel rooms and the airport was was popping it was and it was that's part of the reason we decided to stay at the airport because we found out that brilliantly and very much in the italian vein um one of the busiest kind of three four day weeks uh in barcelona two out of the four the subway and metro were striking or i shouldn't say metro i should say metro Trans- uh, Transfer- public transportation public transportation were organizing a one-day strike so it's on like, the first oh day and God. on the last day of the event and we thought oh shit because we had, like, like I said, we had about six hours. It only takes half an hour to get into the city. And we thought, oh, at first we could go in, have some lunch, walk around, come back. And then we just got nervous thinking, oh, my God, by the time we'd be coming back, if there are no taxis, this is rush hour and we're going to be screwed. And I'm glad we stayed. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. But no. um, You that, loved the, seeing all the private planes. I love seeing all the <laughs> There were some sweet private planes there. Next time. <laughs> Next time. Um, we also st- uh, stayed in Bordeaux, outside of Bordeaux, at our friends. Um, they, they, we have friends who retired um, and bought a beautiful place an hour and ten minutes southeast of Bordeaux. And um, I really love France. We didn't go to Limoges this time to fly. but um, Let's talk about some of the differences, pros and cons. Of? France versus Italy uh, that we notice. Well, um, okay, you go ahead. Well, um, the food is delicious. It's a different type of food. Heavier, I feel like, more saucy, if you will. Um, <laughs> well, it's French food. It's French food. The roads are much better. The roads are way better. Well, it's also the Bordeaux wine True, region, they have more money so there's than the money down there. But it's uh, just, I say the roads because our roads have deteriorated so horribly out here. So much so that there's a bridge that we live right off of that uh, is filled with water and you have to creep, kind of swim through it. And it has created a small lake in the back of our car at times. So that's awesome. But um, yeah, I thought the roads were really good. The prices for, I don't know if it's the full cost of living, but things like looking at, we were looking at um, used cars and things like that for people who are thinking about being coming expats out here. We do love living in Italy and we love the quality of life in the Italians, but some things like that. They're much, much, much more expensive mm-hmm. than in France. This, um, but um, the French are not as open as the Spaniards or the Italians. Correct. You ha- so it's much harder to 
I don't. I shouldn't say that. I sh- I have no idea. But it just seems like the s- Italians and the Spaniards are much more friendly and open to str- um, foreigners. foreigners. Um, also, though, our area has not been overrun with foreigners like Bordeaux. The area around Bordeaux has. It's like Little Britain. Yes, when you go to the grocery store, you're able to find lots of international products, which is something that is still. Uh, few and far between out here. So sometimes it's exciting because you think, oh my gosh, look at all these chips and crackers and cereals. Uh, I don't know. I know this is all preservatives and packaged goods, but it weirdly excites me when I see them at the grocery store because it's nothing we see here. Um, I prefer Italian wine over the Bordelaise. I agree. I did enjoy a lot the white wines from Spain that we've been having. The, well, the, the Spanish, the Spanish uh-huh. white wines were good. But I do agree. I'm not, I'm not as big of a fan. It's heavy. The wines are much heavier. And for a wino like me, I guess I like to keep it a little lighter. Yeah. Because yeah. I can keep drinking. <laughs> but uh, what else about Bordeaux? The, um, it was beautiful. I was, I think, I think something that surprised me, we had been to uh, France before. We've been to Bordeaux and through the countryside, but not to the uh, east of Bordeaux as much where we, in the area we were this time, that it is literally just endless 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 fields of vines yeah we don't get that here so most of the um producers around here are much smaller producers for instance like the guy we love juicy uh what does he have 10 hectares of land we went to uh the one of the bigger producers of wine in our area uh (laughs) fiorini fiorini and they had 45 hectares of land and and that's like whoa that's like huge (laughs) Around Bordeaux, we drove for an hour and a half and never stopped seeing vines. It is just vines as far as the eye can see. Now, of course, it's not all one uh, winery no. or one as uh, one farm, but man, there is just so much more area that is vines than we have out here, mm-hmm. even that, in Tuscany. Yeah, it, that just really stuck with me because it, I think yeah, the Italians will either it's the way their their land is divided. Um, also, Italians. Are, will really keep other trees in their vines the way that I did not notice uh, quite as much in um, France, where I I don't know if it's to help preserve the structure of the land or if they just enjoy neat old trees, but I've noticed there's much more of that here. I also noticed that there weren't any roses at the end of the rows. I noticed that too. So here in Italy, at the end of most of the rows of vines, you will find roses, and it's because the roses will attract the aphids, and there's some bug that eats the vines, and it will attract those first, the, the rose bushes. So if you see that you have your rose bushes get infected with these with these um, bugs, you know next is going to be the vines. It's the canary in the... It's the canary in the coal mines, mm-hmm. um, whereas the French did not have that. And I don't know, It's maybe it's because they don't have that problem, or it's just not in their culture, or there's another symbiotic plant that they put in the fields that that's their indicator. I don't know. I just found it interesting. I th- I've noticed it as well. And I think you might be right. From the sound of our friends uh, who moved to this area, it's much hotter than where we are. And maybe that has an effect. Maybe the on bugs. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. But it was interesting. And it was definitely beautiful. A great time of year. Again, love the winter off-season travel where it's nice and quiet. I just kept thinking, it's so beautiful and peaceful out here. 
both in Bordeaux and Mallorca, I cannot imagine once it starts getting busy. Like those roads in Bordeaux must just be packed because <sighs> it's a lot of one lane yep. in and out to these little... I just think of tour buses, mm-hmm. uh, wine tour buses. The, the only downside of traveling in the deep off-season is nothing's... Like you want to go to a restaurant that you read about and it's going to be closed mm-hmm. or it's going to have weird hours or... Well, it was also funny to see our friends who have lived in the city forever um, from New York and Paris and Zurich that, uh, you know, we're working and helping them move into their house and, um, then it's time for lunch and something that we have gotten used to. And because I've gotten, we've had meltdowns due to it is you can't miss the lunch hour because if you miss the lunch break time, uh, you've missed it and you're screwed. Restaurants and- <laughs> are open from like one to two thirty. If you show up at two and want to sit down, they're not going to see you. Oh, it seemed a bit earlier in Bordeaux. Yeah, it was like twelve thirty yeah. was lunchtime, and we tried to go to one restaurant twice, and they ran out of food both days. And we thought, well, good for them. Maybe they should be ordering a little bit more. But we thought more on the thought of our friends of going. Oh, soon they'll learn. They'll, they'll learn. learn. <laughs> that you have to if you want to go out to lunch, you need to sit when it's lunchtime. You exactly. can't wait. You can't just go on your clock. You have to go on their their clock. Mm-hmm. And we. We've been burned. We were burned a couple of times on this trip. We didn't learn. It's just the time gets away from you. You know, you. Oh yeah. There's I no mean, clocks in the house because their their houses in boxes. So when you look up and it's holy crap. It's you know ten to two. We got to go. Well, I mean, we were burned when we first moved here. That's why we would have some of those um, parking lot picnics. <laughs> where the first- yeah, you just go to the grocery store. You get a little meat, cheese, bread, fruit, yeah. and you just kind of sit on tailgate tailgate on your car because. <laughs> Lunch is over, and your only choice would be pizza or nothing, like mm-hmm. a crappy panino from the bar or something. So they'll learn. They'll learn. It's- but it was great. It was a great trip. Glad to be home. No more traveling for a couple weeks mm-hmm. here. Next travels are big travels. Yeah, next travel we're going back to America. Back, back to America. We're going to Texas for an Austin wedding, and that will be. Fun. I'll throw on my cowboy boots and I'll slip into my southern accent. And <laughs> there is no, there is no basement of the Alamo. It'll be great. I can't wait. I will yeehaw and yuck it up for sure. But uh, yes, as Jason said, it's been so warm this winter, so it just feels weird. I know Easter's about a month away. It feels like it's about a week away. Um, and from the plants starting to bloom, the sausages are done. He, Jason, took them down the other day, all the salamis. Zipped them up in the vacuum seal bags. We're ready to go. Already given out a couple of gifts. Mm-hmm. So made much, much less this year. Normally we make about anywhere between 150 to 250 kilo of salami and sa- dried sausages for this season because we have an agriturismo and uh, other people eat it and we use it as public relations. <laughs> but this year it's just us, so it was down to 25 kilo. Do you think that we'll go through it? Yeah, between eating it and giving it away. I, I, I don't want, like, hundreds of pounds of meat or hundreds of kilos of meat. But you don't think we'll go through it too quick? We, or do we have to be careful how, who we give it away to? Oh, well, we'll get, we, don't have a, <laughs> we don't have a constant stream of people coming through our house. So there's not true. as many people to give it to. It's just one of those beautiful things to give to people. Um, let's see here. We have been for, well, as Jason said and mentioned a few times, La Tavla Marque Farm Inn and Cooking School, which is what we were the we are the proud founders of and no longer the owners of. And we are excited to announce to you Tony and Danielle, who are the new proud owners of La Tavla Marque. And they will be coming out here shortly. We are in the 
depths of our house hunting um, here in the beautiful northern part of Lamarque. We've really kind of focused on the, um, for those of you who know the area, uh, Yacy in the kind of wine area of this kind of northern part of Lamarque towards Pesaro and kind of the this northeastern chunk of Marque. And we've looked at, I know we've talked about it before, Tons. and si fare and all the things you can do, and all the people who have gotten back to us of, oh, well, you can put in a kitchen, or you can make this, and it's like, that's not... Ah! So we've got three different choices. They're going to be out here next month. We're going to look at all three of them, and then they will decide what's best for them, and we can start uh, getting... Getting the ball rolling. I know. It's really exciting. I'm really happy because the two and th- and plus the third property are very different, very doable um, in beautiful areas with their own um, kind of unique bits to them without sharing too much information. Follow me on Instagram at Ashley Bartner, and I've been uh, sharing some sneak peeks along the way of About some the of the houses. houses and views. So, And like I said before... It is. It kind of rejuvenates me of the area because it reminds me of when we first came out here and we were looking at these properties or driving around like crazy. And and it's nice. What What is exhausting is the pomp and circumstance surrounding. Well, it's not the pomp. It's not ta- pomp- pompous. It's, this, it's the show that has to be done or the, the dance. The, the, the dance. The, the, That's yeah. a better word. That You cannot just show <laughs> up, see the house in 35 minutes, sit down, have a little discussion about what they're looking for and what we're looking for, shake hands and then say, okay, we'll give you a call. You have to do this whole dance. So it's, we can never talk about the house at first. There has to be a getting to know you kind of little session. Then we walk through the house in painstaking detail. Um, Even when we get out of the car and it's like, this isn't for us. You still have to do the dance. Um, Then you have to sit down again and have a bottle of wine or a coffee or something like that. And under no circumstance you talk about money during this first meeting (laughs) it's so frustrating because really you want to be like let's just freaking throw it out there are we in the ballpark are you in the ballpark we spent a freaking half a day at a place that they just emailed us uh yes finally they told us the pricing Uh, 2.1 million euros it's like come on man no you could buy the whole region for 2.1 million euros so waste of time for everyone so it's really hard because Italians don't like to be so direct as Americans and which is I understand and it's nice but when you've looked at 25 houses it's like oh my god just just let's just get this done in an hour or two <laughs> and go about our lives. Yes, yes. But that's the it's the good you know, with the bad. Or it's the the mother, the matriarch of the family showing you the house and she doesn't know any of the details. <laughs> She's just there for public relations and showing us the property and telling us the story. So if we want to know anything about the water, the electricity, the uh, standard of the or the whatever the uh when it's classification A B C D, what's that um, called? The, the energy class- energy yeah. classification. You know, we're not going to get any details from Mama, but you do have to sit and have the wine. You have to find out the family story, and um, it's both beautiful and frustrating at the same time. So yes, it's quite exhausting, and it takes up a chunk of time for sure. But like we said, we're almost there. We are we almost are almost there. there. It's exciting. So uh, during the next couple of weeks, we will, um, you know, be um, highlighting. To- um, Highlighting Danielle and Tony more and have you guys get to know them and eventually... Um, we'll do a podcast with them. Sure, they're going to be out here. So there'll be um, lots, you know, in the coming months, you'll you'll see a lot more of, of them. And then one day it'll just be... 
them them yes we'll have a nice transition with all four of us so uh it's not too scary for you guys (laughs) (laughs) and or for them or for them and um it's gonna be great it's gonna be a fresh eyes fresh face new place it's going to be uh not that it was stale before but after eight years it was time. It's time for a new life. It's time for a new life to La Tavola Marque, and I can't wait to see what the next eight years brings to it, and mm-hmm. hopefully it will. they'll take what we started and make it into their own and... Knock it out of the park. Knock it out of the park. I know. I know they will. I do, too. So uh, lots of exciting things to come for La Tavola Marque in 2016 and 2017, uh, so... Uh, check the blog. We'll keep updating that. LaTavolaMarque.blogpost.com. If you'd like to visit us in 2016, please send, you can, we're, you know, kind of business as usual. Send an email to info at LaTavolaMarque, just like you would have done before. And we'll get back to it. We'll you. get back to it. It'll be seamless. And so what else is going on? As we mentioned, we've been doing a lot more of the consulting and social media, which has been a blast. I love doing these videos. Um, so I've got some editing to do today. And like we said, our next travels. Yeah. I know what I want to go for it. Um, I want to talk about death in Italy. Okay. So death in Italy, it seems like when thing, when someone passes away here in Italy, things happen very, very quickly. Um, there's not a kind of phone tree or like people call around and tell each other. What happens is when someone passes away, the funeral home will put up these posters in town and very quickly they'll do it like that day because the funeral, they have printers. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Within 12 hours, there are these posters up and it'll say the, um, who died, you know, the, all the information about who they're survived by and blah, 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 blah. It's a uh, poster of an obit. Yeah, it's an obituary, not in the paper, but on these kind of boards throughout the little towns. Yeah. Now, the problem with this is if you don't go to town for two days, you miss that so-and-so has passed away. And they, you pass away and buried and the service within like 48 hours. So we have a friend, um, a friend here who passed away, unfortunately, last Friday when we were in Bordeaux or when we were in Spain. And by Sunday, the whole thing was gone. Done. Uh, done. You know, he passed away Friday. The funeral was on Sunday during mass. And that's it. No one heard anything about it. Now we get home a week later. And now it's almost like too late. It's almost like we just didn't pay our respects. And no one told us about it. And I'd love to have at least sent a telegram to them. Because that's another thing that you do here in Italy. If you cannot make the service, you send literally a teletype telegram that the post office types out on the weird telegram paper it's like like from 80 years ago it is it's like ching 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 stop yeah <laughs> and the um, they come and the the postman the postman will deliver it to the house in a special envelope and this is how you pay your respects if you're not able to make it however you need to know about the person passing away in order for in order to send the telegram and no one calls no one kind of i don't know how it is and it's just it's both so sad and such a hard situation that then we feel like we're bumbling through it afterwards. Like, do they want to talk about this still? Or, or is it rude, is like, it rude is it to rude? stop by a week, two weeks later and be like, oh, we're paying our respects but because we but, weren't here. But, it but just, we know the correct <gasps> way to pay your respects at the moment, but we weren't able to do It's just a mess. And it's just – it's one of those things where it's like, man, I wish – it's just a – it's a tough thing. I've really been thinking about it a lot because we've had um, a lot of people that we're friends with are older. Um, you know, when we moved out here, we were, we, 
became friendly with a lot of the older generation who showed us how to become Italian. But it means most of our friends are above 60. Above 60. And now here we are almost 10 years later and people are starting to pass away and it's really sad and it's, it really frustrates me and it really makes me sad that I can't pay my respects in the way that is proper to do. For you. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, or that, that sounds selfish. You're I, not able to get closure. I'm not able to, yes, to pay my respects and have closure and do the right thing because right thing. everything happens so fast. And now in the um, off season, I don't go to, I don't go into town every day. Mm-hmm. We just don't. No, uh, it's, it's hard. But that's another little quinky dink or little part of country living. Yeah, here, for sure. Here in Italy. So something to think about. And I know we've talked about it before, but there's a weird thing where they don't involve food the way we do as Americans. <laughs> Ashley's very upset that when you go to the wake, there's no food. No, that you don't bring food. Like, I feel like it's weird like to show up empty-handed. It is weird in a country that they're so into food exactly. that they don't have a spread at the wake. Yes, and that you don't like bring potluck style like, okay, we brought this, you brought that. Or bring the family like... In America, we would cook dinner for the family and just exactly. bring it so they don't have to worry about dinner that night. They don't do that I, here. They, it's the only time in Italian culture there's the disconnect with the food. It seems like. I, I, I don't know. And for some reason, that really upsets me. <laughs> All right. Let's change the subject to nicer things. What do we have going on this week? Big week. Big week. Big week. We are still searching for a, ha- a place for us to live. <laughs> uh, we're still at Cacamone, but that will be ending soon because um, it's an agriturismo and it needs to be worked. So... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we are going to stay here probably through after till after Easter. Um, there's no rush to really to well. There's no there's kind of a rush. I want to no, get but, my life together. Exactly. But. We've got a good relationship with Fushiani for all those who have met the meat and cheese guy, and so it's not a end date that is no. uh, set in stone or anything. But it's true. We love this house and we love this position. And we always said this house is great when there's no guests here. So we get that luxury right now. But uh, for two people, it's, too, it's, too it's just too big. And it's time for us to start our next chapter of where we're living and put down our roots in our next place. And But because of what we just described a few minutes ago on the dance that you have to do when looking for a property, we have not looked for ourselves. No. And this is a problem because we need for our immigration status for our... Um, um, visa visa well no we don't need a visa anymore for our um green cards i guess is the closest thing to it we must have a contract or a place to live on that's that we can submit it's not to like the government. you just tell the government italian oh we're just floating around like it's good by the time this paperwork goes through well the best part is is you file this and it can take up to three years to then get your citizenship from the moment that you submit it. So who the hell knows? Uh, it's <laughs> where this year, we'll be. We're, we're under one year until we can apply for our citizenship. So we have to have that contract um, uh, for our citizenship. So it's it's something that we don't have. And luckily, Italy's not really – they're not the – it's the, the – they're not sticklers. We should have had the a contract. Letter of the law. Yeah, we should have had a contract in January. But if we get it done by March, yeah, it's okay. No one, even if we submitted it, no one's looking at it anyway yet. It'll it, there's month backlog on them looking at this. No, paperwork. but I will say that something I did not realize is when we were in Rome recently for a uh, bloggers trip and met a lot of other expats. How few are legal here? I was shocked how many people, how many expats were here illegally. Because it was more shocking how many people came up to us and asked us how we were here illegally. We thought, well, how the hell are you? You've been here for 8, 10, 12, 
20 years. How are you not here legally? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely the handful and the people who we stayed with had been here for 20 years and they had their citizenship and had the funny story of thinking, oh, we're applying for our citizenship. And then literally two years to the date of when it could be uh, uh, sent back was when they received it. But I was surprised. I was really surprised how many people who live out here do the shuffle of going back to the states every so many months, or they don't understand that you can't just come here on a on for a vacation and then stay for three years and then go to the Italian government and say, "Oh, by the way, I'd like to be legal now." That's not how it works. No, we just even though we were young and and stupid at times. We knew when we moved out here that that was not something we wanted to be here legally and we didn't want to go back and forth to the States to, you know, every nine months and be out of the Schengen countries for 30 days and these kind of things. And it looks like we did it right. And thank God. Yeah. So if you're planning on coming over here, that's and, why and I bring stay, it up exactly. Don't, don't, don't just try to come here and skirt the system. It will catch, you will get away with it for a period of time. But then when you want to put down roots and really do something, you're going to find that you're, that that really pisses them off mm-hmm. when you do that. So yeah, it's a horrible process. You'll pull your hair out. You'll cry. You'll scream. You will not like it one bit, but you have to do it if you want to live here. Yep. Don't don't just come here illegal. Don't don't do that. No, no, do it right. Speaking of the Schengen countries, the Schengen zone, there's a lot of hubbub in Europe this week, and I don't know if you've seen it in the papers wherever you are, but the um, England would like to leave the European Union. Dun dun dun. Which um, I hope it's. I hope I. I don't know what I. I don't know enough about European politics to start commenting on that. All I know is that. I don't want to have to go through through uh, immigration or customs every time we go to any European country. No, this last trip we were on, it was whatever, cheaper, easier for us to fly from Bologna to Stansted in the UK and then Stansted to Bordeaux because being winter, there weren't the Bordeaux flights coming in from Italy yet. And we thought, oh, great. It's you're not a big deal. It and, was oh, a big it deal. It was. And to go through customs both in Not customs, immigration. Immigration. Yeah, in both France and in the UK, we haven't had to do that in a long time, and especially being what you feel like was within an inner EU flight. So it's really interesting. There's what's called the Schengen countries, and the Schengen countries are basically most of Western, all of, most of Western Europe minus the UK. The UK is part of the European Union, but in a weird way. They have their own currency, currency and they ha- they're not part of the Schengen Treaty. And you can look that up. I don't exactly know what the Schengen Treaty entails, but it's open borders and open trade. Be- no, not open trade. Open borders between the countries that have agreed to this treaty. So, for instance, we can go to... Um, uh, we can go to Austria, Germany, France. We can, we can literally drive from our house to Amsterdam, which we had done many times in the past. And All the way to the north. And you go through five, six countries, and you never pass any sort of border control. Just tolls. Yeah, just a lot of tolls. <laughs> the, only, tolls. the two countries that are most notable that are not part of the Schengen Treaty are Switzerland, Switzerland and the UK. So you have to literally just go through like you were going into any other country's immigration process which we haven't done in a while it's a pain in the butt it really was it's like it's like all right uk i got an american passport you see i'm only here in this airport for literally one hour to change planes why are you busting my chops oh my gosh and on a side she note she asked us a hundred questions <laughs> exactly and she was um 
I couldn't believe it. The people in front of us were American military, and it was driving me insane because I just wanted to go through freaking control. And this family was asking the customs border person, uh, "What kind of tour? Hey, we're here for one night. What t- t- we're thinking doing? Hop on, hop off. Do you know where is the best place to hop on?" And it was like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" And then the woman goes and checks their passports and all the family members and everything. And then again, this woman goes back to it. So do you think we should hop on or hop off here? And it was like, oh my God, this is not a tourist office. What is going on here? It was driving me crazy. <laughs> so it was, and I understand, listen, it's, they want to control their borders. Fine. But if you see that we're just, sta- I don't know. It was, she grilled us. Like when, how many times have we been to the UK? How long do we plan on staying? Can you produce your ticket? It's like, yeah, here's yeah. everything. You have a, you just scan my passport. You have a screen saying everything that's going on. Why? Just stamp the passport and let us go. Yeah, and then she had to write special note that we were only there for transfer. Transfer, but she gave us 48 hours. She's like, is 48 hours enough? And it's like, lady, I just yes. told you we're yes. leaving. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. We're not leaving the airport. Our plane takes off in now 45 minutes. 48 hours will be plenty. So back to what's going on this week. Um, now that we're home and the holidays are coming up, something Gaji loves. Do you want to do Castagnole? Oh, you, we didn't even finish talking about the, the European Union. Oh, that's right. We were talking about the Schengen so, stuff. Sorry, so I Britain totally... is going to have a referendum. The UK, sorry, not Britain. The UK is going to have a referendum whether they're going to leave the European Union or not. And if they do, a lot of people are saying this is kind of the beginning of the end. They've already been grumbles about the, uh, closing the borders because of the immigrants coming through Greece and Italy. Northern European countries don't think that the Italians and the Greeks aren't protecting the borders well enough. And there's this stipulation that if they can, uh, they can, if there's enough countries that vote that the borders of another country are too porous, they can close the borders for six months while they investigate this. And then after that, they can leave the borders closed for up to two years. That's a mess. A mess. An absolute mess. So it's going to be really interesting to see what's going on. I think it's four months or five months they vote the UK votes on this referendum, and then after that, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. So something to keep an eye out on. It is interesting, also because of our age, we did not ever travel to the EU before it was the, the EU. EU. So not only have we been had the luxury to travel freely. And have currency that is accepted throughout. <laughs> it's just it's uh, it's kind of not scary or anything, but it's interesting because you do still see the old border uh, crossing patrol controls controls offices and things. But there's no one there. But there's no one there. So it, th- I say kind of creepy or scary is uh, that could easily be reinstated and uh, without much infrastructure being put into it or those tolls at the borders turn into something a bit more. Well, it was. it's just nice be- that if we – when we get our Italian citizenship to have the opportunity to live and work in any of the European Union countries. That's always been the kind That's of- always been the kind of the goal. Like Italy will always be our home, but it wouldn't be cool to live for uh, six months in France or go to Spain for, you know, eight months and spend a winter in Spain because it's gorgeous or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just a little scary not knowing the future of that. Very much. So in one way, I, 
and part of me wants to just stay down this long dirt road forever because it's just whether there's border control or not we're down here our lives never change no not not at Cacavone, <laughs> not along via candeliano <laughs> all right so gaji easter coming up castagnole Cast- yes what is this so what do we got what are the things coming up in easter or around easter time that is that italy always does in our area is something called a castagnole. Castagnole is basically fried dough. Uh, you can serve castagnole two like ways. old-fashioned donut style. Old-fashioned donut style. But it's these weird mismatch, just kind of lumps of fried dough. And they call them castagnole because they turn the color of castagne or chestnuts. Mm-hmm. That deep brown color. And you can do it a few ways. A few ways. You can then, once they're fried, you can either pour what this liquor called alchemist. Alchemist is ground-up be- beetles, I believe, right? I think so. I think it's 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 bugs. Yeah, and it has this beautiful, deep blood red color. And you drizzle this like, and it's a liquor. I don't know they ferment it. I don't know what the hell they do with it. Um, then they you you uh, pour it over the the hot castagnole and then sugar um, because it's kind of bitter. It's amaro a little bit. This this uh, alchemist it's called. Or you can do honey. Yes, and you can also if you want. Fill your castagnole with cream. And that's they, something Gaji loves. Gaji loves. <laughs> but that is a different kind of cat. The dough is different. It's that m- is. It's more like a cream puff or a pâte choux mm-hmm. from France. It's those hollow, you know, you cut it in half and it's hollow on yeah. the inside. So do you want to do them or not? No, I'm fat enough. Man, we, have, we, got, we have the lard. We have oh, the strudo. That's the problem. And I know he's going to come over and want to do it. That's I why know. I'm bringing we it up. We got so fat this I winter. Did, it's, you guys. It's insane, man. I feel lumpy. <laughs> I got. We stopped. We we stopped about two, three weeks ago and said, "All right, enough's enough." But but have we done anything man, physical? Man, we're good at putting on weight. Our lives are such a dichotomy between summer and winter. The amount of physical physical activity we do and the type of food we eat in the summer compared to the amount of physical activity and the food we eat in the winter are night and day. It is a bear diet. It goes from <laughs> fruits and berries and foraging for greens in and a way. Mostly veg- and 80%, mostly vegetables. It's 80-20 veggies, meat in the summer. And a lot of movement to uh, hibernation, sleepy, loungy. It, it does like sleeping the day away, but eh, we've kind of moved our whole setup into the kitchen. So we're as close as possible to the food in the <laughs> fridge and not that that was, but it's also to be by the fire. Uh, but, uh, Come here, Mama. yeah, we have packed it on. So it's time, especially with the wedding coming up. Oh, it's time to start, uh, cutting the pounds a bit so i think we'll have to start doing some walks and things like that because it's time for the physical activity jason said what because i said should we get a stationary bike (laughs) or a a elliptical machine and i was joking but he was like he sounded like such an old man farmer out here because get in the garden i go there's there's i go there's bushes to trim there's uh um, tons of work in the garden to do. There's, you know, all the sticks and everything that's been blown down through the winter to pick up. I'm like, there is plenty of physical, physical work to do outside. We do not need an elliptical. No, we don't. It was that was a, a totally ridiculous comment on my part, but it seemed easy. <laughs> so I think it's about time to start getting the day going. And um, is there anything else you wanted to add, Jay? Nope. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you had a word you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. We thought we'd bring back the word of the week this week. I guess it's not really the word of the week because we don't do a podcast every week, nor have we done a word. A, a word. <laughs> uh, we learned a new one, I guess, about two or three months ago, which I really like. And it's a little bit of slang or a little bit of dialect, but you can use it in your everyday speech as well. And that is, you're ready for this? Oh, come on, computer. Okay. It is. Valeva vevo detto. Valeva vevo detto. And what does that mean? I told you so. Now it's not the tra- it's not the correct Italian way to say I told you so, but it's kind of the the uh, because that would be something like lo detto. I, I said it, or I told or you. Aveva vevo vevo detto. I think. Um, but the, I love the way this sounds. That's it just word. sounded great. And we were in Rome and there was this, um, restaurant called Volevo, uh, Flavio al Volevo Vevo Detto. Now, if I can be honest, it's not a great restaurant, but it was a really funny name and great story and a great story. So the story was this guy was not a restaurateur at all. He was in some other business and his dream was to open a restaurant and all his friends said that he was actually crazy and he's just going to throw his money away and blah, 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 blah. So he opens this restaurant. His name was, of course, Flavio. And it was a big success. So he named it Flavio Al Valeva Vevo Detto. Flavio, I told you so. <laughs> I love that. It was a really great story. Um, a little bit of spite, a little bit of humor. I yeah, like it. It was really good. So Valeva Vevo Detto. I told you so. There you go. Uh, thank you so. Bring it home. I was going to say thank you so much for listening to our inconsistent podcast. Um, as we mentioned before, if you'd like any information on the farm in and cooking school, you can find that at La Tavola Marche. L A T A V O L A M A R C H E. And for any of our consulting, social media, and marketing services and fun, you can find us at nhmfilms.com or follow our new blog for all of our travels and videos as well at nhm for no half measures nhmblog.com all right very good hope you guys have a great day and we will do this again someday someday (laughs) thanks so much for listening Ciao. sentire media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.